Time and again, the world bears witness to truths seldom said. Lend an ear. We promise enlightened, informed conversation. My name is Robert, and this is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. Welcome back. This is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. Special guest today, Miss Sarah Zendia, a documentarian, filmmaker, writer, director, a woman with exquisite skills, and she's going to share some of her opinions with us. Welcome to Seldom Said, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure, I can assure you. Can we start with a little bit of personal background, who you are, where you've been, and what's brought you to this time and place? Sure, yeah. I um, I don't know where to start. I, I'm, I'm Iranian-American, so I was born in Iran, and um, but I grew up, um, I, my family left Iran uh, in during the Iran-Iraq War in the 80s, and uh, we landed in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., where I grew up. Um, and that's where I grew up. And then later I moved to New York to go to film school, uh, because I realized I wanted to be a director. And so that sort of started my, my filmmaking path. And then, um, three years ago, I moved to LA to make my first feature film, um, which is going to be coming out in the summer. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of where I'm at now, I live in Los Angeles, um, you know, so it's, it's been like a journey. It's been a journey from Tehran to D.C. to New York to L.A. <laughs> it's been said that there's rather lyrical poetry and good filmmaking. In point of fact, do you feel that you can portray on screen culture shock, the change that you and your family experienced that any newcomer does? Um, do you, do I feel like I, I can, I'm sorry, I, I didn't get the question. Perfectly all right. Do you feel that culture shock, the change in the cultural ethic, lifestyles, eating styles, friendships, and so forth, has ever been effectively portrayed on screen? For sure, yeah. I mean, I think cinema is such a great, medium for storytelling and, and for telling the stories of our lives and our personal experiences. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think there's so many incredible movies that, um, that, you know, share personal experiences and, and, you know, my own personal experience as, you know, as an immigrant and, um, and as a sort of bicultural person, you know, I always try to tell those stories in my work. Um, of like sort of a multicultural female perspective. So, yeah, I mean, I think cinema is such an incredible medium um, and it's so universal, you know, it's whether I think there's always going to be, there's, there's so many, there's, you know, basic kinds of stories. There's stories about quest and journey and tragedy and comedy. And I think everybody can relate to sort of basic storytelling. So yeah, absolutely. I think it can be captured on screen. I've used the quotation rather often, but uh, one of Theodore Bikel's last interviews was gracefully with myself. And he always mentioned during the interview that no matter how Americanized one becomes, you are still an immigrant, you are still a refugee, you are still a newcomer. Do you feel yourself a young woman with a foot in both worlds? For sure, yeah. 
I'll always feel like an immigrant. Even, you know, I immigrated when I was really little. Um, I was, you know, and I, I feel very, very American um, because that's the culture I was raised in. And it's it's sort of the way I know how to operate is by, by through American culture. But, um, you know, my parents, you know, I was, I watched my parents struggle as immigrants and I still do feel very different from, um, from my peers who, whose roots are, are here, um, or even in the West, you know, I, I, I feel very hyphenated as a, as an Iranian American. And I do feel like my two cultures are often, you know, adhering to like two, like two colliding value systems, like, you know, cause they're often at odds and at conflict with each other. So that's just something I'll always, um, feel. Um, so for sure, I'll, I'll never, I'll never not be an immigrant <laughs> for sure. Can you give us uh, the moment, an epiphanal moment, a Damascus moment, where in point of fact you decided that filmmaking was going to be a focus? It seems rather exotic a choice, a meaningful choice, but rather exotic for someone newly arrived in a new culture and a new environment. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, I didn't have this one moment. I think it was a series of events that led me to the decision to become a filmmaker and go to film school and really pursue it in a serious way. Um, you know, when, when I was a child, I remember we had already immigrated, but I went back to Iran to see family. And I, I had this encounter with this feminist filmmaker. Her name's Tahmina Milani, and she still makes films in Iran. She's, you know, she's a very strong woman. And I remember being really marked by her and I didn't, I was too young to really understand what she was doing. But as I got older, I realized like that she's really, she was dedicating her life to, to saying something that really challenged women's rights and women's roles in society. And so I remember being really marked by her. Um, and then, but I grew up in the suburbs of, of DC and, and, um, I grew up on like blockbuster films and main mainstream pop culture. And so I really loved those movies and I, I loved movies growing up and I loved sharing them with my friends and family. Um, and then I, as I, when I got, went to college, I got really into more art house films. And I remember watching um, the taste of cherry with my grandmother, which is an Iranian film by Abbas Kirsami and really seeing that film could be more than entertainment, that it's actually, a, it can be a poetic medium. Um, so I think these three sort of events, like, led me to that decision. And then in New York, I started working for uh, a filmmaker as a script assistant. And uh, and then I just decided, you know, it's time. It's time for me to really um, give myself a shot. And, and I felt I, I had something to say. I had a perspective that was, uh, I think specific to my experience, which I don't really see represented. Um, and I, I just, yeah, it was kind of a series of events that led me to the decision. It wasn't like one epiphanal moment. There's a quotation, possibly apocryphal, attributed to Paul Newman. He was asked about foreign films, and he said, I'd love in my career to act in a film that didn't involve an explosion and a robot. Do you feel there is a distinctive need for more conversation in American film? For sure. I always support um, movies that are trying to initiate a conversation about issues that we don't 
um, that we need to work on, you know, because we're, we're evolving as a society and, and, and things are changing and our identities are evolving. And, and I think there's, there's so many, there's so much we, we need to learn. There's so much that needs to be taught. And, um, and I think, you know, film is such a great way to teach. And, um, you know, yeah, I think, I think it's, there's always room. I mean, I mean, and I'm not against like entertainment films or mainstream films. I, I love commercial movies, um, but I also, you know, I, I, I think there's, you know, I always try to make work that is is sort of stirring up a conversation or or adding to a conversation that's already started. So I think, yeah, I think it's absolutely. Um, necessary and and there is such great work being made right now so many amazing filmmakers commenting on issues that they feel need attention um so yeah absolutely i think film is just such a great medium to to start conversations for sure maximilian shell was asked in an interview uh, whether he liked to make precise films films with a message and he said, first, I have to make it commercial, saleable. Do you feel it's possible to make, in quotes, an art house film commercial and saleable? Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I've, I've just made a, a feature film that I, you know, I, I took a, a genre that is popular and I tried to um, use that genre to communicate the, the messages that I, I want to communicate and the, and the sort of politics that I want to um, express. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's definitely possible to, to do both. Um, like I just made a romantic comedy, which is, you know, I, I love romantic comedies. I grew up on them and I think there's such, it's such a fun genre. Um, but, you know, like I'm, we're, I'm distributing the movie now and they're calling it like the Trojan horse romantic comedy where it is a romantic comedy but it's also trying to do it's trying to make commentary on on social issues so absolutely i think there's i mean there's so many great movies that do that i mean get out was such an, a brilliant film in my opinion a horror film but it was it made such a beautiful um statement and 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 it just was so so specific and 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 focused on, on what it was saying and so I think that absolutely some of the greatest films are um, are entertaining, but you know you're also sort of eating your vegetables while you're being entertained. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Is there a film that you go back to as both a viewer, a member of the audience, and as a filmmaker yourself? Is there one that relights the fire continuously? Oh yeah, there's so many. I I repeat, watch so many movies. I mean, um, I love the movie Gone with the Wind because um, I love stories about um, shifting social status. Um, I also love comedies. I mean, I go back to um, Woody Allen movies a lot. I love Annie Hall. It's like one of my favorite romantic comedies. I think it's it's so um, the characters are so memorable and lovable and specific. Um, I love watching David Lean, like, you know, these sort of sweeping epics. Um, and, I mean, Kiristami is such a huge figure for me as, as an Iranian. I mean, you know, he's some, somebody that 
it was, you know, his, I learned so much from his films, not just about filmmaking, but about life and how to see life, you know, through this poetic lens. Um, so Taste of Cherry is a movie I, I rewatch once in a while. Um, and um, what are the other movies? I, I, oh gosh, there's too many to name, but um, yeah, I, I, I think I go, I mean, Asghar Farhadi right now is like one of my favorite living directors, I think, and I, I've watched a separation several times and I go back to that movie to sort of analyze screenwriting structure because I think his screenplays are so intricate and um, layered and complex, and um, but he makes it kind of simple in a way. So um, he's, so, he's somebody's work I, I look at it a lot. Mike Nichols, Alexander Payne, I, I look at their, their work a lot. Um, and also people who, you know, filmmakers that are sort of combining my favorite elements, which is comedy, tragedy, and poetry. Um, you know, filmmakers who have that sort of voice of, of humor and, um, but also kind of are trying to do something profound. I, I, I absolutely, I go back to them a lot. So yeah, I, and I'm lucky that they're available and I can just keep going back to them. Do you feel that comedy and tragedy are sides of the same coin? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think they're definitely they're definitely linked. At least I think good comedy is. You know, I'm all about like comedy that's um, that's light and just you know relaxing. Um, but I think some of the best comedy is coming from sadness, and um, and and that's what sort of makes you appreciate it because you can laugh at the things that are painful. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're very connected. As a writer, what is your approach to recording and putting down on paper conversational statements, things that sound rather ordinary if you were just eavesdropping with two individuals on the street? Uh, I do write... Um, I do write... Uh, a lot. I, I do take a lot from life. You know, sometimes I, I just had like drinks with my friends and he was, you know, my friend just has these incredible lines about um, feminism and, 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 you know, like how he feels as a, as a man and it, with everything that's going on. And I, yeah, I definitely, I, there are times where I'm like, I have to write that down. Um, for sure. I take a lot from life. I'm very inspired by my family, like my, my aunts, and my parents and, you know, these, that sort of old, older generation, they have such incredible perspectives that were never um, shared or told. And so, like, I, I often, you know, uh, mine from, from, from family. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I always have, like, a little paper and, and pen with me, and I'm always, like, writing stuff down. I think life is so full of inspiration and people are so, I, I'm, I am around so many inspiring, smart people and they're just constantly giving me great one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's more difficult to really be gifted and intelligent than to be a receptor to record gifted intelligence? Hmm. What do you mean? In other words, if we were having tea with Einstein, we'd come away bereft. We'd come away perhaps confused, perhaps inspired, and yet we'd come away with knowledge. 
Is it harder to be gifted or to record what is gifted? Hmm, interesting. I mean, I think everyone is gifted, you know, whether they were, they had the privilege of um, developing that gift is is something else. You know, I, I look at my own family and I feel like the women in my family particularly were are so gifted and so you know, they they had such potential and, you know, but they just were in a time and a place where they couldn't really channel it into into an actual craft. Um, so I, I, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's possible to, I think it's really just how much you were able to cultivate that, that gift and that talent and how much you were able to nurture it. But I think we all have it. Do you feel then that, like music and perhaps mathematics, cinema is a universal language? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, film is a storytelling medium, and stories are universal. Um, and I think that's what's incredible about film is you get to share these stories that are that everybody can relate to because ultimately, again, there's just so many. Um, there are just basic plots, you know, whether it's um, a, a love story or a tragedy or a comedy or a hero's journey or a rebirth, like a story of renewal or overcoming the monster type story. You know, these are, which goes back to like David and Goliath, you know, um, so I think these are just human stories and they, they transcend boundaries and culture and, socioeconomics and age, um, stories are universal. And that's, I think, what connects us. Um, and, and like, you know, I think that's what's incredible about film and why I chose film as, as my medium um, to, to tell my, to share my perspective and tell my stories. I think it's just so incredibly universal. Have you ever watched and enjoyed silent film? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, because I'm such a comedy head. I love, um, I just, I'm such a comedy fan. And I, I mean, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd, I really like grew up on those, on those movies. So, um, I, I absolutely, and Harold and Marty, I, it's, I, I absolutely love, um, silent film, especially the comedy era. Sarah, how do you then find the poignant laugh? in a scene, that moment where people go from a tear to a smile and are not entirely sure why? Yeah, I mean, I I love movies. Like, my favorite movies are ones that make you laugh and cry. And I think that's just the tone of life. You know, one second you're happy, the next second you're crying, you know, or you're extremely sad and the next, you know, and then you're lifted. I, I just think that that is this tone of life. It's, it's, it's a tragic comedy. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, um, I think it's just easy to, to communicate that tone, um, because that's the way I see life. Um, I think things that are often funny are sad and, and, and vice versa, things that are sad are, are funny. So I don't know. I just, I feel like it's, it just naturally comes out 
in in some of my scenes and in some of my writing because um, they're so interconnected. There are a lot of emotions on your cinema palette. Cezanne once said that he didn't use the color black. He just didn't want it portrayed inside the confines of a movie frame. Are there scenes, ideas, events that you would not want in your film? Um, that's interesting. I mean, I I don't think I will ever really try on the horror genre. I just don't like, um, and I can. I and there are certain horror films that I I can actually appreciate, particularly if they're kind of that Trojan horse horror film like Get Out, or I just saw um, another one like that that's kind of commentating on um, a social issue. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, there's sure there's, there's definitely colors that I don't see me ever working with. Um, and particularly kind of a really dark and sort of bleak or scary sort of tone. I, I don't really, I'm not, I'm just not, it's just not my natural inclination to try on those, those, that tone or that genre. Do you enjoy sitting in the audience and watching your own films? Sometimes. Um, I mean, often it's like you've worked on it so long that you're just tired of watching it. But yeah, I mean, with comedy, um, it's fun because different crowds give you different laughs. Like I was just showing my movie at the Palm Springs Film Festival and, you know, the crowd there was very different than the one I had in L.A. or in Philadelphia. And I, I it is interesting to see where where they're, um, they're laughing. Um, I think it you know, tells you who's, you know, kind of who's in the crowd. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 especially comedy, because I love, I love hearing people laugh. Um, and I, I love hearing, like, which punchlines are working for, for which audiences. And, you know, in the movie I just made, it's a, it's a kind of bicultural comedy, so, um, which is like an Iranian-American, Iranian family and an American family. So, so there's often, like, really heavy Iranian crowds and then really... Uh, mainly American crowds, and they do get different jokes at different times. So it's really interesting to observe that. Um, yeah, so I, I I do love watching movies, especially um, comedies. But then there's also times where I, I just I, I'm so tired of watching it that I I can't. It's like <laughs> it's just it's too tiring to to ever watch it again. <laughs> There's an interview recently with Lady Gaga. I'm always intrigued by that name. But she was asked, uh, you were very funny on stage, and she said, I'm not funny. I have to have funny written for me. How do you write funny for someone? Can you repeat that? I'm sorry, I lost you. Most certainly. She often says that she's not funny, even though people may say she is. She said that I'm not humorous. I have to have humorous written for me. Is it facile or easy to put pen to paper and write funny for an individual who is not innately humorous? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just your natural inclination. Like, um, yeah, I don't see her as like somebody particularly like, I don't see her as like a comedian, but I think she's very fun. And 
full of life and she's very colorful and um i think she's just being you know authentically her and um i yeah i i don't think you can really write funny i think everybody has to have like you know even in my casting process you know i i cast Joelle who is you know a, a notoriously dramatic actress um and when people see this movie they're very surprised they're like oh my god i didn't know she was funny you know, they're so um, kind of pleasantly surprised to see her in this comedic role. And, and I'm always like, oh, no, no, she's like really funny, even in, in real life. Like when you meet with her, she's so funny. She's always cracking jokes. She has like a tremendous sense of humor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think people, you have, I think they have, you know, some people just have a, a sense of humor innately. Um I mean, I think everybody has a, a funny bone somewhere in their body, <laughs> but um, it's. But yeah, I mean, for sure, there's people who are just like their their aura is just more serious than others. But um, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it can really if you can teach a sense of humor. You you probably either have it or you don't. But I think most people have have some some sense. You know, there's there's some you know, acceptance of humor somewhere in their body, I think. You've mentioned you either have to have it or don't. That leads me to a question I've been considering that I was going to use later in the interview, but perhaps we can talk about it now. Can you formally educate someone to have artistic talent? We often say we can teach singing, we can teach playing, we can teach acting. Do you agree with that? Or must there be an innate gift that is expressed on the screen that can't be taught? That's a tough question because I, you know, I have people in my family who are always like, I could never do what you do. I don't have a creative, like my sister-in-law, she's an attorney and she's always like, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I could never be a creative, you know, or I could never um, do creative work. And I, I think ultimately it's like it comes down to desire and if if it's something you like and you want to do. Um, I think, I, I don't know, I, I have a very like optimistic and open mind about um, nurturing. You know, I think anybody can, can you can nurture um, a lot. I think nurture can, can do a lot. Um, but, yeah, I mean if someone is declaring I like 12 years old, like I want to be an actor, I want to be a performer or, you know, that, then that, that person is probably going to, you know, find that talent in themselves because they're, they're so dedicated and they understand that that's what they want. So I think it's ultimately, ultimately less about like, do you have it or don't versus like, do you want it? Is it something that you desire and are willing to work at and cultivate? Richard Dreyfuss often said he wanted to be a star, and he became a star, and then he felt terribly depressed because by becoming a star, he forgot how to become an actor. Are you concerned about film and career becoming so large that they dictate your purpose? I have no idea. I'm so not there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be making that call once I'm being offered like big 
Hollywood movies. Um, I'll call you back <laughs> in really 10 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ask me that question in 10 years. Right now, I'm just like trying to get my movies made and <laughs> and struggling. So I, I yeah, I can't, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what that will be like once you're at that level of like art versus commerce. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what that would feel like. I'd have to experience it myself, <laughs> which hopefully I will one day. Seeing some of your work, I have the feeling that there are definitive possibilities in your future. I wonder then, if you're speaking of film and your burgeoning career, what is the most difficult yet exciting part of the process? Um, finding financers. It's, I think it's just getting your movie made. I, I don't have trouble finding the stories I want to tell. You know, I, I feel really, um, and especially as I get older, I feel really clear about um, the stories I want to tell and the um, perspective that I want to share. Um, I often want to tell female stories, multicultural stories. Um, so I, you know, I have a lot of material that I really want to make. Um, but I think, yeah, finding investors, finding producers, um, finding production companies that are really going to give you a platform is, is the hardest part. It's really get you know, finding people who will give you a shot because it's, it's, it is a very risky business. You know, there's, you know, there's no guarantee that your product is going to make money or have a return or, you know, you, you, so you can't really, um, you know, it's, it's not like the soundest investment. You just don't know, but it's, um, so finding the, finding platforms for your voice is challenging, particularly if you don't have like a mainstream voice. Is it an elemental bias to speak of a film as a woman's film or a man's film? Is that prejudicial or is simply a statement of fact? I mean, hopefully in the future we won't be pointing out race and gender as much as we are right now. Um, and it'll just, they're just human stories, not particularly like a female story or a male story or, you know, a Muslim American boys or an African American boys or, you know, it's hopefully it'll just be stories and, and, you know, um, will move. I don't like calling it out that much. You know, I, I think it causes more divisions. But but we are right now in a moment where we're trying so hard to bring diversity to the forefront that it's hard not to call it out. It's not it's hard not to be like, you know, we need this voice because it doesn't exist. Because it doesn't. You know, and hopefully at one at one Point, you know, there'll be there'll be more diversity just naturally, but um, I think right now there is a bit of a movement, um, so it's hard not to call it out. But hopefully, in the future, you know, these these terms will will not be relevant anymore because you know, diverse will just be the the norm. Your casts are quintessentially Iranian, quintessentially individuals from Southwest Asia. How do you go about finding people to cast in your films? Yeah, I mean, 
so far, my stories, the, the projects that I've made are very personal, so I can't help but keep talking about my personal experience as an Iranian-American woman. So I, um, I often have, I look for, you know, Middle Eastern actors um, to, to play out my stories. Um, and the, the pool is, is very small, you know, like I, I, in this movie that I just made, you know, there's an American white family and an Iranian family. And so the pool for the American family was just so vast because there's so many, you know, recognizable, um, kind of Anglo-Saxon American, you know, actors that could have worked for, for, for the roles versus the Iranian family was, the, the pool of recognizable, you know, Middle Eastern actors is just smaller. Um, so, for example, for my lead, who I, I cast, Tara Grammy, who's this up-and-coming um, comedian actress, um, I had a, I was just looking for something very specific. I was looking for, you know, an Iranian-American woman who is millennial and who does comedy, um, who specifically doing comedy and um you know it's a small, it's a small pool of um of you know my casting director had like five people for me you know versus like my male lead who's you know a white you know guy in his in his like late 20s that you know she sent me like a hundred <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it's it's just like a smaller um pool and, um, you know, and then there's just people that I, I know, like for the mother, the role of the mother, Shoraga, she was, you know, she's like one of our absolute icons. And, you know, I've always, I always dreamt that she would play the role of, of the mother. Um, and so she's just somebody that has, you know, has, is, is such a, uh, important, um, figure in, in our, in our culture. So I just always knew that I wanted her. Um, and I was so grateful that she accepted the role. So, um, you know, some of them are just, they're so developed and you've grown up with knowing who they are. And, and some of them was just like new talent scouts. Let's go back to the very beginning. Can you discuss for the listening audience the events leading up to your producing and directing the pool party? Um, yeah, that was a short film. It was one of my... Um, thesis films for my graduate work at Columbia University School of Arts. And, um, you know, we, to graduate, you need to do, to make like one or two short films. And um, so that one, I, I really wanted to go to Iran to, um, to make this story that was like specifically set there because it's talking about um, class gaps in Tehran. And um, I felt very determined to to go to go there and not just to make the film but also to go uh back and you know I hadn't been back in like 10 years um and I I really wanted to go and sort of answer a lot of questions for myself and and about my identity and and where I was born and you know I just really wanted to go um and and work there and make something there and so and I had a producer at the time who was Canadian and um he was able to get a visa because um, Canadians are allowed to go. And so we, we were just determined and we, we went there and, and we um, crewed up and we had this incredible team of young, um, young people in Tehran. They're just the most incredible youth culture, um, very smart, very hardworking, um, very, 
very conscientious and aware of of everything that's going on in the world, and and they're just um, a really in, incredible. That was the best part of that experience was meeting this young group um, that was my crew in Iran, and um, they were so inspiring and and just really incredible. Um, so we just you know it, we just willed it to happen, and we went and we made a great little short film and it premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival and it won an award there and um, yeah I mean it was just very much a you know a desire that we had that we we willed to happen much of the beauty I know I myself find in Iranian film is the conversation the interreactions of different personalities would you rather your films be subtitled or dubbed? Mm, subtitled, yeah. I, I, I don't want like just because I'm so um, concerned about the performance of the actors, and I think um, seeing them sort of deliver their performance naturally, um, even if you have to read the subtitle, is is more effective. I just I, I'll do anything to protect their performances because. Um, it's just, I think, watching dub is like you really miss out on their their performance. Do you like rehearsal? For sure, yeah, absolutely. I love I love working as actors. I'm one of those directors, and I aspire to be one of those directors that just really loves actors and loves working with them, and you know, wants to be an ally and really give them the create the space for them to give their best performance. Um, so I also think actors are just really insightful because, you know, this movie that I just made, it's an ensemble comedy. So I was, as a writer, I was like juggling 10 characters, you know, and, and when you bring actors in, you know, they're only thinking about their one character. So they can streamline their arcs and their dialogue in a way that, you know, you as the writer haven't been able to because you've been juggling, you know, you're thinking about everyone. Um, and as the director, you're always, you have this like bird's eye view. And so sometimes actors come into rehearsals and, and they have a lot of suggestions and some of them are really, really good because they're like, I feel like my character would say this or, you know, can I tweak this line? And, and often I think it's, they have really great ideas that like, sort of enhance their character. And so I'm very collaborative and I'm very open as a director. I think some directors are not open, but I am because I love collaborating with actors. Um, but then there's this fine line of like, you know, you want to make sure that you're not um, changing the story because only you are really seeing that bird's eye view. So you want to make sure that, um, you know, all these, that these changes are not altering the the overall arc and, and story. So it's this fine line of like being open and collaborating and, and getting their help, um, but also kind of protecting the story and what's there. Um, but yeah, I think rehearsals can be so helpful. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, if I can get rehearsals, I, I love to do it. But often, I mean, with this, the film I just made, you know, we didn't have rehearsals, so I just had a few minutes with them before we shot. But I tried to turn it into a rehearsal as much as I could. Um, and, you know, we'd work out the blocking and the staging, and they'd have some suggestions. Um, and so we'd kind of collaborate and get it, get the scene to a place where it felt 
right, and then we would shoot. I think over-rehearsing can also be, you know, damaging because you don't want to lose that sort of spark and you don't want to wear them out. Um, and so you want to save, like, the best creative energy for, for your take. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's if I can get rehearsals, it's great, but if not, you know, you can definitely make it work. Um, the day of or right before you shoot. Many directors have always written that they're bothered by actors who ad-lib, who play the scene off the wall and see where it goes. What is your reaction to that? Yeah, I I do love to improvise, especially because I do, I, I make a lot of comedy, and comedy is so... Um, I think improvisation can really help, especially when you're like making comedic content. Um, so for me, what I did on this film was I, I basically would do, you know, two, three takes that were very loyal to the script. And once I knew I had it, then on the fourth or fifth take, if I had time, I would let the actors riff off of the lines or improvise. And sometimes these improvisations or these ad-libs would be very fruitful. And, you know, you'd get some gems once in a while. But other times it was just, you know, it was it was very, um, it could get very out of control. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I would basically can try to contain it to like only one or two takes where they would go off the cuff. Um, and that was only after I made sure I had, I had it right, you know, the first two, three times um with, with what was written. But, you know, I found some real gems in those improvisations. And I think the actors also really appreciated um, being able to play, you know, because especially with independent films, um, you know, everyone's working so hard for very little money and you want to make sure that everyone's having fun. You know, you want to keep up the tone of fun. And, um, you know, actors love to play, and, and they're good at it. And so sometimes, you know, sometimes, like, just loosening up and um, and allowing them to play would actually, you know, really help the movie and help the scene. It's time to talk about Simple Wedding. It's an interesting film with a basic premise that is very difficult to surmise and portray on the screen. Can you tell us a little bit of the background to the film? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's partly based on a, a personal experience, um, but also one that I've observed in my circles a lot because I have a lot of friends who have intercultural marriages and intercultural relationships. Um, and I love stories about you know, multiculturalism and love and family and my own family, you know, almost every single family member has married into another culture. You know, we have like a Persian Chinese wedding and a Persian Korean wedding, <laughs> Persian Jewish wedding, like my brother married a French woman. Um, you know, so I'm just always at the, you know, we have a very international sensibility. Um, and we love travel and culture and we love mixing, you know, it's like my whole, my family is like a big mosaic. It's like a big mixing pot. And I'm very inspired by these stories and these characters. And I think it's really what makes life beautiful is that, you know, when love is sort of overcoming these boundaries or these like cultural differences. Um, so I definitely, I, I came to it from places like I want to tell 
um, a multicultural story about love. And, um, but I also wanted it to be very, um, like kind of updated and, 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 and to focus on, on this millennial couple. Um, so it came from a very personal space about a relationship that I was in, but then it kind of evolved into a lot of other people's stories. I was talking to a lot of like my cousins and my friends and sort of uh, mining from their experiences in, in a multicultural relationship um, and dealing with, you know, in-laws that are different from your own family. And, um, and, and they were just always so funny and so heartwarming. Um, and I wanted to sort of do my take on it. And I also, again, love, love romantic comedies. I think it's such a fun genre. And so I wanted to do my take on the romantic comedy genre and sort of expand the genre to these new characters and new politics and, um, and, and a new kind of humor that was specific to these characters. Spike Lee just recently described the winning of the Academy Award by Green Book as a mistake. Do you feel too many films that we view portray ethnic and racial groups in a kind of dichotomized way where there is always the Europeanized character who takes the lead? Do we have too few films that explore the nature of who the minority is? I mean, I think it's hard to... It, it depends. I haven't seen Green Book, so I actually don't know. Um, but I... That's a tough question. Like, I, I, it depends on the movie. I, I, you know, it depends on, you know, it's just very specific if, if it's being done, it, who, who it's being done by and, and what they're trying to say. You know, I think it really is specific to the movie. You feel then there are more generalities than specifics and telling a story about a group of people can be synthesized into just telling story about a common emotion. Is that correct? Uh, sure. I mean, it, are there stories that... Um, I mean, I believe in, like, in like cultural stories, you know, that are... I, I guess I'm, I'm not sure, totally sure what you're asking. Like, it's... I believe in story in universal stories about love where, you know, two different cultures or, or ethnic groups overcome their differences to be together for sure. I, I mean, I, I believe that storyline in life. Like I, my, I myself right now I'm in a relationship with somebody, you know, from a different background and, um, and it's challenging to be with somebody who's different, but it's also, um, it can really enrich your life. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think multiculturalism is like a promotion. It's like a special, <laughs> it's like a great thing. Um, and so stories that are, that share that perspective are, are, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely support that. I mean, again, it kind of depends on the movie and how it's being treated, but generally, yeah, I support, you know, movies or stories that are, um, communicating the message that, you know, love is, is, can transcend our differences. Notwithstanding uh, your quixotic response, it was well said. You've answered my question, and the audience certainly appreciates it. Do you feel, then, that an actor should be allowed to play anyone? Whether it's a Greek thespian playing a female and being male, uh, 
or a white man playing a black man or a black man playing an Asian, do you feel that ultimately the ideal is anyone being able to play anyone? I mean, I I think you know it's I don't I don't totally know. I mean, it's it's like I I think there is like you know casting. There should be like a casting process of like is this the type or is the, you know I, I I do think there are people that are just inherently like specific to some roles or are going to fit. Um, some roles. Again, it just sort of depends on the role and the movie. It's hard to sort of generalize, um, but it depends. Like, I, but I think, you know, in general, I'm open to anyone playing anything for sure. I mean, I, in the movie I made in Iran, I, I didn't even cast an actor. I cast, you know, a non professional uh, person who, who, who was essentially like selling blankets on the street. <laughs> you know, and he, but he just had this face and this quality that I really needed that I couldn't even find in an actor. Um, and so I cast a, a non-professional and it was very, very challenging because he wasn't an actor and he didn't, you know, know how to deliver lines or, or where to look. And, you know, it was being on set for him was very foreign. Um, but ultimately we made it work. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths of the, of the movie is is his face and his like kind of raw quality that I was looking for that I just couldn't find in an actor. Um, so I think you know I'm definitely open to to all kinds of casting, um, but again, it just I think it depends on the specific project and, and the director's vision. Would you ever walk from behind the camera and act as? a director-actor in any of your projects? I've had my acting period. I, I used to do a lot of theater and, and a lot of performance, especially comedy. Um, but I feel, you know, it depends on the project if I felt compelled to, that I felt really like I have to play this role. And But I, I in general, I, I like, I really like working with actors. I like staying in my lane as a director. I think it's, I think being a director is so overwhelming. It's such a big job, you know, to really make it perfect, to get the right performances and the right shots and the right sound and the right, you know, it's, I think it's, it's really hard. You know, I, I am always amazed by director actors who are doing both. Um, but I, I, tr I think, Right now, I just feel like I really like being a director, and I like sort of giving every drop of energy to to my craft as a director, and just making sure it's as perfect as I can get it. And 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 having actors give me every drop of their energy in their performance, you know. And so I think it's like in that formula, like the sum of its parts is you know is greater. So I think it's 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 best if, you know, everybody sort of comes at it um, giving giving 100% of their craft. But, of course, it, again, it depends on the project. If there's something that I feel is simple enough or that I feel really, really compelled that I have to be the one to, to animate it, then um, then I guess I would. But, I you know, right now I'm just, I'm not in that space. I'm, I'm very much doing writing and directing. A comparatively well-known author on this program 
was describing the difference between a short story and a major novel. And she said that the beginning and the end are always easy. It's fluffing out the middle. Pool party, a short piece. Simple wedding, more involved and intricate. How do you deal with the middle to fluff out that piece between beginning and end? Yeah, for sure. The middle is like, I remember I had a professor in film school that called the act two, which is like basically the middle of the desert. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're in the desert and you're all alone and you don't know where your next drink is going to come from. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it is as a writer, like act two is like so notoriously hard because it's just, it is the desert because you don't know where you're going. I had another amazing screenwriting mentor, Sabrina Dwan. She described it as driving in the fog because you don't, you can't see very far ahead. You're just, you can only see like, you know, a couple inches ahead. And um, so it, it is really challenging because often you do know like the heads and tails of a, of a, of a story, you know, how it starts and ends and the big, and just carrying it. <laughs> from A to B is is what actually makes really good writing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just really um, trying to make... I mean, for me, I just approach it one scene at a time and hope that it's each scene is interesting enough to carry you to the next one and that it's causal and that, um, you know, there's something interesting going on in every scene, so you'll you'll you know, you can carry the, the audience, you know, from point A to B. Um, so I just, I just take it scene by scene and, and hope that it adds up. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's no way to get around how hard the middle is. It's just, it's really just writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and trying to get um, each scene to be as interesting as it can be. Have you ever or will you ever write and direct for the stage. I love theater. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i never... Um, I've never made it, like, my discipline, but I, I remember doing a lot of theater as an actor, and I, I loved it. I loved doing, like, Chekhov and Ibsen, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think... I think theater is the actor's medium, and film is the director's medium. You know, I think theater is so... Um, so incredibly cathartic and amazing for actors because you get to really experience it. Whereas I think as a director, film is more exciting and interesting to me. Um, it's just where I can, you have more control and you can communicate more. Um, so I would consider it, but I, I'm very happy uh, to do movies and, and TV. I think it's just more, um, particularly cinema, I think it's just, there's nothing like it for directors. You know, cinema is just like where it's at for, for directors. John Ford once opined that he could make any actor look good. Do you feel that since cinema is a director's medium, you can make an actor appear great, appear genius, Whereas on stage, if he or she trips, they're going to fall down, and you can't be there for them. Absolutely. 
I mean, you can make, <clears throat> I feel pretty confident that I can make anyone look good <laughs> in a movie. I mean, <laughs> I, I literally, like, I mean, not to be overconfident, but I, I think it's just editing is amazing. You can walk them through, you know, hopefully when, you, when you're working with, like, amazing actors, you don't even have to, like, touch them. You know, I mean, I, I worked with veteran actors like Rita Wilson and Shora Ognishlu, and I just, you know, I could never really give them a note because they were so perfect and they were so trained and they were just, like, incredible. And that was such an amazing experience for me to, to work with such um, veteran actresses because um, they just, they'd nail it every time. <laughs> and so I, you know, I just, I didn't have anything to say. Um, but then you work with, like, you know, actors that are um, less experienced and that need your help more. Um, and, you know, and then you step in more as a director and try to, to help them and just take it beat by beat. Um, and then in another experience that I had, which, which I spoke about, is I worked with a, a non-professional actor um, who, who, who was, you know, who looks amazing in the movie and people can't believe that he's not a professional. And that took a lot of um, directing and editing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think there's, you can do wonders in film and whereas in theater, I think the actors are just so much more vulnerable and, uh, and sort of, you know, it's really just their raw talent on stage. It's, it's completely different. We're within three minutes of what has proven to be a marvelous conversation. I wonder if we can perhaps created an element that will leave us open for a second interview, if you're so willing, at a later time. But in point of fact, do you look for something in the future that you haven't done yet? Is there a film you want to make? Yes, of course, yeah. I have a lot of films I want to make, and some of them are very different from... um, what I've made, you know, because I'm, I'm sort of an emerging director. Um, and you know, there's a film that I want to make that is very different from what I just made. It's not a comedy, you know, there's, it's, there's some humor in it, but it's, it's a lot more serious and, and I think art house to some extent. Um, so yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, um, I think I, I, I have a lot of different, um, you know, I have a lot of different uh, sensibilities. And, you know, one of the directors that I look at a lot is Mike Nichols, who had such an incredible range of films, like from comedy to drama to action. You know, he just, he he did a lot of different things. And I kind of aspire to have a similar career where I get to do uh, a lot of different kinds of movies and exercise different parts of my myself. This final question is going to seem like an opinion wrapped in absurdity, but in perhaps a minute, the minute we have left, someone in the listening audience, let's posit that she's a young woman who wants to follow in your footsteps. What advice would you give? Um, I would say filmmaking is learn through just making. So I think the best way to learn how to make films is just start by making them. Um, 
I did go the academic route where I did go to film school and I did it through a kind of a formal training. But, um, and that was valuable, especially because I developed a peer group and a network of people who are, you know, who are very supportive and I can turn to. So I found like a community. Uh, but ultimately, every time I make something is where I learn. So I would just say, start if you want to be a filmmaker just start making films and and just learn on the learn on the fly and, and you know and it's it is sort of like trial by fire you just have to learn as you go and by by trying and making and making mistakes and then trying again so i would say just just start making work unfortunately our time has run out for this particular segment of seldom said we'd like to thank sarah zendaya a writer, a director, a person whose career is going to be interesting to follow, and hopefully someone we can invite back later at her discretion. Thank you for appearing on Seldom Said, Sarah. Thank you so much.